Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Friday, February 5th. We begin with our weekly chat with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. We get the mayor's thoughts on the upcoming ease of restrictions on Monday and what it means to local businesses. Next, we look at an interesting dynamic between a decrease in global pollution during the pandemic while the Earth's temperature has actually increased. We get an explanation from a scientist of atmospheric research. The Morning News Weight Loss Challenge has wrapped week one. We look back at the past week and share our results on our quest to slim down with the help of our partners at Jenny Craig. And finally, it's a local and very tasty success story. We catch up with the Gomez sisters, the duo behind Cluck and Cleaver. We talk with the sisters about their restaurant being featured on the Food Network's hit show, Big Food Bucket List. 8-11 8-11 on the morning news. Uh, Mayor Nahed Nenshi joins us now for his weekly chat on all things YYC. And one of the biggest developments since we talked last has been the easing of some restrictions, especially for local restaurant owners coming up this uh, Monday. I know last time we talked, Mr. Mayor, a lot of businesses were frustrated. So how's it looking now in our city? What are you hearing from the people that you uh, speak uh, to when it comes to these easing of restrictions on Monday? I think folks are <clears throat> cautiously optimistic. Uh, that this will work out well. There's still some pretty big restrictions uh, on the restaurants in terms of capacity. You're still only supposed to be going to the restaurant with your own family, your own family cohort, uh, not meeting up your friends. So it'll be some while before it's normal yet. But I think many, if not most of these businesses are comfortable in saying, all right, let's ease ourselves back in again uh, and see how things go from here. Uh, I still continue to be concerned that the worst thing we can do is open and close again. I'm concerned a little bit about the variant, but ultimately the numbers are moving in the right direction. We just have to continue to be super vigilant, especially with these variants that are very contagious out there. And to help these businesses stay open, we got to double down on our personal behavior of social distancing, wearing a mask, Mm -hmm. washing your hands and staying home if you're feeling even a little bit sick. Uh, let's talk a little bit about a decision made at council this week, a limit, a speed limit that will be changed. And a lot of people, Mayor, are a little disappointed that this didn't go to a plebiscite. Your thoughts on allowing council and yourself to, to make this final decision that affects the city? Ultimately, people have elected us and, you know, I make a pretty decent salary uh, in order to do the work and make the decisions And on this particular one, this one's been going on for so long. You know, I gathered together the newly elected council in 2017 and said, tell me what the number one thing you heard at the doors was. You know, what are people talking about? The number one thing, almost every single one of them, I think it was every single one of them, but Councillor Farkas claims he didn't say it, but I believe he did. (laughs) We remember it differently. Uh, But every single one of them said the thing that they heard uh, at the doors was speeding in residential neighborhoods is a real problem. And so we spent really four years doing massive community engagement on this. There's been huge public hearings. Council's done the research. They've really heard from the public. And enough of them, including me, said it would be a dereliction of our duty to not act on what we know rather than pump this off to after the election because we're worried that it might become an election issue. Uh, and I appreciate that. So what is going to happen uh, over the course of the spring is that uh, your residential side streets, you know, your closes in your crescents and your bays and things uh, will go to a 40 kilometer an hour speed limit within communities. Uh, the big roads like the one I live on, which is the bus route in my community, by and large will stay 50. But there is a way for the, that to also go to 40 if that's something the community is looking for, if there's been a history of collisions, uh, if the road is built in such a way that 50 is not safe. 
Um, but most of those will stay 50. And then the big roads uh, are will be completely unchanged. We're only talking about the roads within communities. I think a lot of people, well, A, first of all, were unaware and they thought that we'd have to be driving 40 on Deerfoot and Pro Trail. Not the case. You just have to, to read up on it. Uh, but the money uh, to make this switch, where, where is it coming from? What fund does it come out of? Just within the roads budget. Uh, the roads budget is generally very well funded. Um, and although it feels like a, a fair bit of money over the course of that big budget, it's really not that much. It's just putting up a bunch of 50 kilometer an hour signs on those collector roads. So on that note, Mayor, if, if you know you and the council, you've been elected to make these decisions on our behalf, why not make a decision on the fluoride debate, which we hear will likely go to a plebiscite now? I tried. <laughs> um, I think that uh, when council took out uh, fluoride in 2011, uh, really quite suddenly, I, I, I thought for nine years that we made a mistake because fluoride is something that was put in by plebiscite. And I thought taking it out so suddenly was a, was a mistake. Now, that debate went really interestingly on Monday because I thought that as far as council would go, given that many of the people who voted to take it out are still on council, I thought that as far as they would go would be to go to say, let's do a plebiscite. And in fact, we had a debate on just putting it back in, uh, which uh, failed on a six to eight vote. Um, so one or two more uh, council members changing their minds and it would have gone back in. But ultimately, with fluoride, the debate was really about the historical uh, aspect that we've always asked people on this one, and we should ask people again. All right. Uh, uh, Mayor, I'm wondering if you can uh, spend two more minutes with us after the quick break here. Absolutely. Rejoining with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. Thank you so much for staying with us, Mayor. Uh, a question Happy from the years. text line this morning for you. Uh, this is one we've not heard about, but somebody's asking, any chance that the mayor can reopen the plus 15s? The second floors are open, but closing the plus 15s to people who are still in the downtown seems punitive. Thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, actually, this was raised with me earlier this week uh, as well, and I have to admit that I did not know that we still had portions of the network that were still closed. Typically, those things are a relationship. Uh, although the city runs the plus 15s, the, the decision is really made by the buildings on either side. Uh, but I did hear about this for the first time earlier this week and uh, have pushed uh, back uh, into the city to say, listen, let's go back to those building owners and reopen uh, those wherever we can because the other thing is it's pretty cold yeah. uh, and it'll probably stay cold for a little while. And I'd like those retailers on the second floors to have a bit more traffic. So working on that now. I love that. Perfect. It's such Thanks. a unique system to mm -hmm. our city. Um, you know, this uh, weekend, uh, Mr. Mayor, an Arctic blast, you know what would be good, would be a Chinook blast. <laughs> Is that for a segue? Um, and it's, it's coming a beautiful up. segue. Thank you. I worked all day on it. Uh, let's talk about the fact that you have a little bit of patience. Next few days, you can take advantage of a Chinook blast. And I think a lot of people were wondering whether or not it was going to be happening. You're very passionate about this. Yeah, so this is something that I've been thinking about and working on for a number of years. The idea here is to build out a winter festival of sports and arts and culture uh, throughout the colder months that will become a big tourism draw as well as a chance for Calgarians to, to gather and meet uh, at times in the future. You know, I think a lot of people don't know that in any given year, we have close to a dozen World Cups and World Championships in various outdoor uh, winter Olympic-style sports. And people just don't get to them, and it's not a tourist draw. Meanwhile, we have One Yellow Rabbit's High Performance Rodeo, which is like the Sundance Festival of Independent Theater. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, every show is sold out, but a lot of people don't know about it. And so the idea was we bring all of this together in a big winter celebration. 
uh, starting in 2021. And of course, now we have COVID and according to Alberta Health Services guidelines, I'm not allowed to use words like festival or events or gathering because we're not doing any of that. But, uh, but rather than canceling it, we thought we would at least give people a preview, a little taste of what Chinook Blast will hopefully uh, turn into. So starting next weekend, Teachers Convention Thursday, Uh, and running the following three weekends in the evenings from 3 to 9 p.m., come downtown, um, and you will come to the Chinook Blast Hub, which is going to be a really fun outdoor festival of light and sound installations. I've seen some of the pictures. It'll be very cool. There'll be a light and sound laser show on Historic City Hall. Uh, And in addition to that, uh, some of the neighborhood business districts uh, are also Uh, participating with their own exhibitions, and there'll be scavenger hunts. It'll be fun for the family. It's entirely outdoors, so dress for the weather. Be prepared to wear a mask even though you're outdoors because you will be um, walking with and through other groups of people. Uh, Be prepared to keep moving, but I think it'll be great fun, and the restaurants will be reopened in some capacity. So great chance to come outside, come downtown. Uh, good for the physical and the mental health. And I think you'll see some pretty cool stuff. I love it. It's a great idea. I'm glad you're going ahead with it. It's called Chinook Blast and it's chinookblast.ca. So people can get all those details if you missed anything. Uh, Mayor, quickly before we let you go, uh, have you made uh, and set any timeline as to when you're going to make an announcement, uh, whether yay or nay on running again? I'm getting closer. Okay. Okay. I didn't ask you if you were running again. I asked you if you decided when you're going to decide that. Uh, I am getting closer, um, and I, I think I mentioned it last week or the week before. The, the weeks are running into one another with that question. Um, but, yeah, really uh, but um, you know, all the political advisors out there are like, oh, my God, keep them guessing. Don't say anything till June. Uh, but I think you would probably have an aneurysm if I was going to wait that long. Probably. And also, um, and also, it's not fair to people who want to run a campaign. So, so when should we uh, ask I, you next? Uh, uh, give me give me two weeks and okay. ask me again, and then hopefully we'll I'll have an answer as to when at that point. We'll give you two weeks, and when the announcement comes, as long as it's on a Friday between eight ten and eight eighteen <laughs> on uh, seven seventy CHQR, uh, that'll be yeah, perfect. Obviously, I promise you, you will have time to talk to me a lot about it uh, <laughs> at the point that I make it. You may want to save me for three segments that day. Okay, deal. Thank you so much. Stay warm. Thanks, it's everybody. Be a cold have a weekend. great weekend. Stay warm. Stay safe. Thanks, Mayor. That is Calgary Mayor Nahed Nenshi. 609 now and pandemic lockdowns may have helped clean the air with people around the world staying home, but it also resulted in a warmer planet. With details on a new study out of the National Centre for Atmospheric Research, Andrew Gettleman is an atmospheric scientist and joins us now to break down the numbers. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. Thanks so much for being here with us. So talk to us a little bit about that. You know, people were staying home. Obviously, we weren't driving our cars. We weren't flying. So the air was cleaner, fewer pollutants. But that definitely had a a negative effect at the same time, didn't it? Right. Well, on the one hand, it um, actually reduces the amount of greenhouse gases we put in the atmosphere, which warms the planet. But also those emissions are associated with uh, air pollution. So what we see every day, the haze, the smog, that sort of thing. And that actually um, acts to scatter sunlight and cool the planet a little bit. So when we reduce our emissions, on the one hand, we stop the fossil fuels, which is good, reduces global warming. We also clean the air, which is good, but that pollution is actually a little bit of a cooling effect. And pollution lasts in the air for only about a week, whereas greenhouse gases last for 100 years, which is part of the main problem. 
Okay, so can we think of this as perhaps pulling down a shade and uh, blocking the sun? Is that is that what you're getting at with these pollutants? Yeah, it does it in two ways. One is it's hazy. I mean, you mm-hmm. can see it in the air where it scatters light. Um, and the other is actually the part of the shade is with clouds. So uh, clouds form on particles. They form on pollution drops. And um, if you have more pollution in the air, the clouds are actually a little bit brighter and a little bit more of a shade for the planet. So what are the, you know, resulting things that we can take from this? You know, we get lower greenhouse gases, lower pollution levels, things warm up a little bit. What's the fallout from all of that? Uh, just the fallout from all that is something we actually account for. It's one of the big uncertainties in our predicting climate change. But our, our predictions of the future actually include both these effects in our models. Um, one of the things we're trying to do in this study is the actual pandemic was sort of an unintended experiment where suddenly we changed our emissions more dramatically than we've probably changed them in the last 50 or 100 years in a sudden period of time. And that may enable us to actually test our theories by looking at how the, was, how the air was cleaner and what the temperatures were. So one of the things that happened last year was 2020 was probably tied for the warmest year on record. And while the global effect of the cleaner air might have been a very, very small warming effect, it might have been enough to actually push the planet just over the edge to be the warmest year on record. Wow, that's fascinating. Uh, let's talk about, Andrew, the effects of one year uh, seeing uh, such a change and influencing such a change on the planet. What kind of a lasting impact, if any, can that have? Uh, it doesn't have much of a lasting impact on the actual temperatures on the planet because it was small and because certainly the pollution has actually mostly come back, um, probably up to about 80% of what it was um, uh, it was last year with the emissions. Um, the effects of lower, slightly lower CO2 will persist uh, even longer. Um, I think one of the most interesting effects is the societal effect, is that we actually, when we went into these lockdowns, a lot of our dirtiest sources of energy got reduced. And some of those haven't really come back, which is very interesting. So we're actually, the sort of things like coal-fired power plants actually were shut down and renewables were used, and now more renewables are being used than um, some of the more dirtier sources of energy. So that's good. During the the beginning of the lockdown, you were talking about this earlier, that there was a lot on social media about the effects around the world, you know, cleaner water, uh, waterways, and animals appearing where they hadn't otherwise. So do you think, is there, you know, sort of a long-term effect then that will will come out of this, or or do we, once we kind of get back into our normal world post Uh, COVID, does everything just go back to the way it was? Uh, Hopefully things don't quite go back to the way it was. I think there's some evidence that we are using cleaner sources of energy. Um, I mean, the the fact that people can work from home in many cases has reduced traffic patterns and changed them. And that may continue more to reduce some of the commuting that happens. So I think hopefully people will keep some of the good aspects of this that did clean up our environment. But I guess one thing to note is it shows that, you know, we only reduce fossil fuels about 10% during the height of the lock or 20% during the height of the lockdown. So you can't just shut down the economy and expect global warming to stop. We still use energy. So we have to actually change to the cleaner sources of energy, but maybe the pandemic showed us a little bit of a path forward. Well, you know, if nothing else, it showed the strength in numbers, how, you know, if we have such a huge change, we can move that uh, dial and move that pin. But I'm wondering, you know, uh, from your background from the National Center for Atmospheric Research, I think there's a lot of people out there in North America and, you know, particularly in Canada, who throw their hands up in the air and say, well, we can only do so much if some of the major players on the other side of the globe are doing nothing. Your thoughts on that? What kind of a dent can we put, you know, into this issue when it comes to, to global warming, um, you know, from nor- a North American standpoint? I think um, every 
person in every society, especially in countries, can do their part by showing a path forward where you can actually have a cleaner energy future. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Canada has and the United States have both dirty and clean sources of energy and moving towards those cleaner sources and showing that you can build a vibrant society and economy with those cleaner sources, I think, it can be a beacon to other countries and also provides technologies and things that can be sold to other countries. I think, too, you know, maybe it just makes people more aware because we're having these conversations and, and people are a little more aware of the effects of, of what we do in our everyday world. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think it, it brings home to people, you know, they can see less traffic. They can see the cleaner air. And I think that shows that people can actually change. And I guess that's the other thing is that we've, we're used to doing things, you know, people and societies are used to doing things the way we have always done them. And not that we would choose to do this, but the pandemic's shown that, that radical change is actually possible in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. And in this case, forced, not exactly yeah. chosen. Yes. Um, thank yeah. you. Uh, if for, it's chosen, it's oh, yeah. a lot less disruptive. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good point. Thanks for your time this morning, Andrew. Great. Well, thank you. Have a good day. You too. That is Andrew Gettleman, a scientist at the National Center for Atmospheric Research. And I, I think it's interesting because the uh, lasting effects, like he say, says, you know, one, one year is not going to change everything, but it is in, uh, indicative of, of exactly what we can do. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, I know so many, many people who perhaps will never work in an office again. True. Or will only work in that office part time and they're not going to have their vehicle on the on the road. No, no, well. not taking public transit, not taking their own vehicle, all those things. Yeah, And you know what? Th those things kind of uh, made me think, too, that we've with all of this, have a lot less noise pollution, too. I wow, mean, do you yeah. remember when the plane, really at the beginning when really nobody was flying at all? I live in Coventry, so I You'd do really hear noise then, from right? the airport, and there was nothing. You yeah. actually heard the birds chirp a lot more often because it, it's it's loud. That noise from the airport travels really far across this city. Without that, you know, without vehicles, buses, trains, all other forms of transportation, it's well, been a little quieter as well. Uh, I remember the beginning of the pandemic when it was all new to us, driving by some of the bigger malls in the city, South Centre and uh, Chinook, and seeing those parking lots empty. That was eerie. That was weird. Yeah. And Deerfoot Trail, uh, what traffic, what rush hour anymore. So that just goes to show, because visually you see it, but you might not see the emissions, obviously. Derek had a question saying, could it be that uh, our homes are warming because we're all home more? No, not, not exactly the case, because our scientist, Andrew, just told us that what happened was, without seeing that haze, without seeing those pollutants, the sunshine has the opportunity to get closer to the surface and uh, we don't have that kind of uh, like blanket, if you will, of preventing the sunshine. So it was actually pure sunshine that warmed us up this time out. Derek does have a good point, though. He said our livers are certainly more polluted now. I from would give you being that. Home more often. Here, here. Fair point. Coming up on six nineteen now. Okay, so we are a full one week in to our morning show, Jenny Craig Weight Loss Challenge between Ooh. myself, Andrew, and Dave, and we had our first weigh in. Yesterday, it feels like we're in a, a boxing match. We had our way in yeah. yesterday. Well, first, what do you guys think of the first week? Was it was it difficult? Was it doable? Did you enjoy the food? I thought it was very doable. I think the food is great. The food's fantastic. First three days were tough for me. Yep. The amount of times I went to the cupboard and just yeah. looked in there and said, I can't have any of these things. 
and went back to the couch. But that's also good, right? It's it's uh, showing you that you have some bad habits that I don't really need to eat right now. I'm just eating because I'm bored. Right. So, uh, yeah, I thought the first week was, was great. It was a lot of fun. And the food, like you say, Sue, is fantastic. It's delicious. You know, for us, we're uh, radio people are, in case you don't know, we are the garburators of the world. So whatever <laughs> happens in our homes the night before, that is also our breakfast the next day. That's just the way the radio world works. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this the, the, the menu plan is more breakfast oriented. So we've had to, you know, kind of, you can, you can rejig the, the daily food where yeah. they have it set up. So I think that, you know, just figuring out where that works, it's, it's been easy. Yeah, figure, figuring out the, the fact that I do have enough to eat. I just have to space it out. That might have been two or three big meals a day, but now you're eating basically six. And the allowances that I, I find that the Jenny Craig program gives you to, to add things like, you know, you can add healthy fats. And I love uh, olives, so I could add some olives to a salad. Big or you salad every day. Pickles. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm eating Vegetables, a lot more salad. Fruit. You're Lots supposed of... to add all that in, boys. Oh, I have been eating more fruit. I've eaten more <laughs> fruit in the last seven days than I've probably eaten in a year. I think, you wow. know, more than anything, it doesn't matter what plan you're on or what you're doing. I just think it makes you be uh, more mindful of, of what you're eating, what you're not eating. Are you getting enough vegetables? Are you getting enough fruit? How big are your portions? That you know, is... and are you, when do you snack and why do you snack? And I think that, you know, more than anything, it doesn't matter which one you're doing. It, it makes you think and maybe reevaluate, you know, why your pants are getting a little tighter. <laughs> well, I, I, we, uh, Dave and I share something and that is belt buckles. I uh, my you, belt... Have, you guys wear the same. Belt? No, no. Well, yeah, uh, he's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I, Tuesday, uh, Thursday. I had a belt buckle break um, a few days before. <laughs> that's this a good episode. indication. It's time. It's right? a crazy. That's a sign yeah. from somebody. But you know, in the end, it also makes you question things like alcohol. If you enjoy having a drink, yeah. Well, even for that matter, if you enjoy having the foo fooey coffees at these coffee places. How many calories are oh. you taking in by drinking? It sneaks up on you, doesn't oh, it? Oh, the uh, one one touch bean to cup system that we have here at the office makes oh, yeah. a delicious, delicious yeah. French vanilla coffee. Yes, it sure does. That I haven't tasted in seven days. I've been drinking the black coffee, but there's another thing. I found out sugar. that I really like black coffee. Yeah. And I don't have to go back to the French vanilla coffee that I was having for two years. So... It's it's I like how yes. it's identifying things that you don't really need and maybe even things that you're starting to like. But yeah. you know, and but if you do like that coffee, you have it once in a while, as opposed to every day, right? Because yeah. you don't need <laughs> to them. starve yourself and take all the things you love away, like chocolate, for yeah. example. <laughs> you know, you can put that in and have if in moderation, then you can yeah. you know enjoy. You don't have to have a live a boring life, yeah. right? You can yeah, still that's enjoy the thing, good right? Food. Have some fun with it. Yeah. Uh, but okay, who's going first? What are we talking about? Some results yesterday's weigh-in. Okay, well, so, you know, we, we got weighed in and it's about, we're going to talk about how, how many pounds we've lost and then the percentage of it. And then, so we've decided, we came, this is a challenge. So we couldn't decide, you know, how, what was the winner going to take home here. So we've decided that the two not winners <laughs> will buy a gift card for the liquor store for the winner. Yes. Because we could all agree that, you know, a nice bottle of wine or something would yeah. be a great reward. Yes. I think it's, uh, it'll be a nice treat to finish off the six weeks for me. All right. <laughs> so let's talk about, uh, I'll, I'll start if you like. Sure. I lost four pounds the first yes. week. Yes. Which is great. So I'm very happy with that. Thank you very much. Yeah, Appreciate it. Have to calculate your percentage. You. I think. I think. It, does it work out? I'm not good at math. Okay. Well, we can help you. Maybe something well, like that. Well, we'll help you. You put the, you put your current weight. Yeah. 
and then you're, uh, you know, uh, starting weight below that. Yeah. And then you put the 100 on the other, and the X on top is matching your lowest. Anyway, we'll do that out. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I uh, I lost 9.7 pounds wow. in the week. And it's uh, under five. It's 4.57%. you got to give me that 0.57. Wow, I like that number. Because I lost 8.2 pounds for four or five point or 4.8%. No. Yes. Yes. On. 4.8%. So percentage wise, Dave McCoy. You're in the lead here, But you know what? It's a marathon, not a sprint team. That's true. We've got six weeks of this program. And I'm a heck of a sprinter and terrible at marathons. So you guys got a lot of chances. Only five weeks left. Oh, it's a five week. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, a Calgary restaurant is getting its name out there thanks to an appearance on the Food Network's Big Food Bucket List this weekend. We are joined now by sisters and co-owners of Cluck and Cleaver, Chef Nicole and Francine Gomez, with all the details on showing off their stuff on TV this weekend. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Chef Nicole, let's start with you. How did this happen? Did you just uh, answer the phone one day and they're like, we just heard about all this great fried chicken you girls make and we're coming to visit? Yeah, pretty much. Nice. We, we got a random email out of nowhere and yeah, they just asked if uh, we'd like to feature the chicken. Oh yeah! Anytime you're featuring chicken, <laughs> sign me up. As, as you, you two know, I want. I'll ask you this one, Francine, because you know everybody out there who has a sibling knows it's not the easiest thing to to get along with. But uh, you know, and I know you've always worked uh, cr- closely with your sister. Um, when this idea came to be, and like I say, I know you guys have always been you know uh, close friends. Uh, what did you think? Did you think it would get as big as it has uh, become with Cluck and Cleaver? Well, we definitely thought it had legs. Um, oh. Nicole, <laughs> Nicole and I um, have such a love of chicken, so it was an idea that we had many, many years ago before we even opened it up. It was probably almost 10 years before we even decided to do the idea. And so it's been really great to watch it like evolve into what it is now. Uh, Chef Nicole, tell us, obviously not the, the secret of the whole thing, but tell us a bit about the, uh, your two. You've got two locations now, and if people haven't been there yet, obviously they need to, but but why? What's so good about it? You know, um, it's been awesome because um, we've been really focused on improving the product and it getting better, and um, we have a location inside the Calgary Co-op in West Springs, um, which opened over about a year and a half ago now, and it's going fairly well. And the Beltline location, which is our flagship on 14th Street, and um, the concept's always been kind of takeout, and the idea behind our business is that everything's consistent, and that it's made from scratch, homemade, all natural ingredients as we can be. Um, and now, since COVID, we've had some time, actually, to change over the chicken to 100% antibiotic-free, humanely raised, halal-friendly chicken. And we've been even been able to reduce pricing, which is crazy what? during COVID. Yeah, wow. that, that is going against the grain for sure. Let's talk a little bit more about fried chicken. We've got uh, we're going to take over Danielle's slot. We'll be talking for four <laughs> hours. Um, but the fact the fact is, it is a comfort food, and so to a certain extent, during this uh, tough time, I would think that during great times, people want to enjoy some fried chicken, and uh, during stressful times, people will uh, gravitate toward food like this. Have you have you found that? Well, I think the trend, and Francine did it, and I did this in the market research, was that food's getting less about special occasion and more about the fact that they're trying to fill the fact that they can't cook mm-hmm. or they're busy, and it's comfort foods. And beyond the fried chicken, I mean, we have um, rotisserie, too, because mm-hmm. I love yeah. roast chicken, and you can really use that at home if you get 
our birds are four pounds. So you can get one bird, you can make five meals out of it. Like as a single person, I can eat that for a whole week. So, you know, I'm talking about like soup out of the chicken bones and like the breast meat for sandwiches and salads and then the leg meat when I get the chicken when it's hot. So it's, um, you know, comfort food is, I think that's what we resort to. And it's because we don't, a lot of people don't cook at home. And I think that's really why we came to conclude that this was the best model really one of those chickens is actually just andrew's lunch so <laughs> you're, you're able to stretch it out francine let's talk about yeah. uh being on food network canada and big food bucket list what was it like to have john catucci in your kitchen john um well he's real natural it's, he made it's really it was really easy and fun to just have him in the environment it's kind of like nicole would say hanging out with a buddy um so yeah it was it was really great for to spend the time and have him there how long did how long did it take you to film all that? Like, what does what does it look like from the from the back of things? <laughs> well, it was <laughs> well, it was a couple days. Um, yeah, so we were back there for uh, two days, and you know they would do some. You know, there's a lot of start and stop, but it's it's obviously it's a t- it's a ton of fun because you get to um, be featured as well as chit chat. And the crew was really great. They're really great. They had a really great team. You know, a concept like this and what what you guys do at such a high level, you could be doing it at any city. And I know that, you know, this this is home. Uh, but I'm, I'm wondering if, uh, Nicole, you can speak to the Calgary food scene because this is kind of the place to be right now because of the different choices and the, the style and uh, the trends that we follow in our city, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Calgary has a really great community, um, not only food-wise, but just as a community. I mean, I live in Vancouver now. Um, I'm from there originally, but... Um, you know, Calgary has a different tone um, for support for one, for, for one another. I think it's really important to maintain that during this time as well, um, to understand the logistics and running a business here because it's um, quite challenging um, and to support each other in that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, we have a lot of great things here that are made from scratch from people that are really driven and it's with love and um I think corporate, you know, if you can try to support your local, that's basically what I'm trying to say. And mm-hmm. I just, uh, you know, we've always been about that grassroots stuff. But this concept, we've built it to duplicate it. And so we're hoping we can maintain the quality and not dilute the brand and try to do it in other cities. And have you been hearing from people really coming through the front doors, ladies, about the fact that they really are trying to support local during this difficult time? They they know how and appreciate how hard it is for restaurants to stay open and even just do curbside. So people are, are knocking on the doors and wanting fried chicken more so than ever. I think there's an well, education piece, Francine. Francine can talk to this because she's in it like more than I am, actually. Um, well, we are getting a lot of feedback that, you know, there are a lot of people that are trying to support more local business. Um, and I mean, it's, it's tricky in this environment, right? Because there's such limited access and it's really hard for a small business to kind of maintain during these difficult times. Like a lot of the restaurants have had to transition quite rapidly into a takeout environment in when they weren't necessarily doing it previously, right? Um, we've been fortunate enough to that's what just what we did but it was still it's obviously still tricky to navigate but we do find that you know i've noticed um a lot of feedback that they're like oh well we want to support local so Mm -hmm. we're getting lots of those comments from the customers coming through the door we're salivating might have to make a trip to the (laughs) cluck and cleaver but uh, you know the episode itself we can check it out this weekend is that right yeah it's on saturday on food network canada um at 6 p.m 
and 9 p.m. on Mountain Standard Time, um, Big Food Bucket List. What an awesome show. It just was so awesome to do it. It is such, you know, it's so fun to watch, particularly when we can uh, shine the spotlight on local. (laughs) We uh, we really appreciate your time, ladies. Thank you for for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thanks for having us. That is uh, Chef Nicole and Francine Gomez. Sisters and co-owners of the Cluck in Cleaver, two locations in Calgary. It's Cluck in Cleaver, and that's with an N, cluckincleaver.com.